traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Bagels. Bagels for everybody. Fantastic. Again, bagels. Uh, and, and Friday there was a great big cake. No more diet. Diet postponed until the second six months of uh, of 2023, which starts in about, uh, what, three weeks? Uh, yeah, six months. or almost halfway through the year. And it's the second phony indictment of President Trump. Don't worry. I think we're going to be okay. I am a little bit worried, to be honest, about just how far the radical left lunatics will go in their totally unjustified hatred of Donald Trump. Or unjustified? Well, maybe in their eyes it is justified. He does stand in the way of their horrible Marxist ambitions coming to fruition and uh, America's uh, survival. He's for America's survival. He they want to they want to destroy America. And uh, they do. I mean, there's how else do you describe it? How else do you describe that stuff at the border? How else do you describe uh, people like the president of the United States saying that drag queen should be hanging around with kids in public school? All right. Um, <laughs> why do we let China fly a balloon right over the country? Right. Because we uh, I think they want to cancel America. I really think that's the agenda. And a guy as dumb and corrupt as Joe Biden is just the man for the job. Yikes. Hey, uh, first, all that stuff. But Ted Kaczynski died over the weekend. The Unabomber. Wow. 81 years old. Died in prison. Uh, apparently he was very sick. He may have done a, a little bit. Uh, might have been suicide in the end. But just the kind of suicide. He was sick and he, whatever, going to die in six months anyway. Is that what happened? We don't know. But it brought to mind a, a bunch of stuff for me. I remember that well. I remember being fascinated by the case. I remember when he was caught and you remember that crazy guy living in that cabin, grew up a child prodigy, got to Harvard University when he was 16 years old, um, then goes on to graduate school at the University of Michigan. And uh, while he's there, uh, fellow uh, there were professors who were like, yeah, we were learning how to spell. He was writing poetry. I mean, the, the mathematical equipment <laughs> equivalent, the teachers were still learning how to spell, and he was writing poetry. He was that brilliant. He basically didn't have to go to class. They knew he was still there because he would get his uh, work published in these academic publications, and uh, that's what they all live for, right? Publish or perish, and there was an, a Ph.D. student actually getting published like that. Um, so he was off the charts good at math. I don't want to say brilliant, but he was very, very good at math, and um, he had some problems, too. He had some big problems, uh, you know, antisocial. Uh, he wanted people to like him, but he was unlikable, or maybe he didn't trust anybody. I read a book over the weekend, actually, did a deep dive. He has a brother named David, David Kaczynski, very thoughtful, um, sensitive man, the younger brother to Ted Kaczynski. And, you know, he's the one who actually put it together, he and his wife, once they put that manifesto out. Remember the manifesto? He told the Washington Post and the New York Times, you guys publish this thing, uh, I'll stop killing people. And they had a little bit of a debate, and they published it, this 35,000 
um, word essay where he's kind of rails against technology and all this stuff. Hey, over the weekend, I also heard people saying, you know, Ted Kaczynski had a lot of good points about technology. It's really gotten out of hand. Shut up. He's like Antifa. That manifesto was an Antifa manifesto. Okay. If you're into Antifa, if you're into what was that extremist uh, environmental group? They were always blowing things up. If you're into that stuff, great. I mean, not great, but that's the kind of stuff it was all about. Um, so he's a crackpot. He, he was a crackpot. He was good at math, but he was a crackpot in every other respect. Um, it was very abusive toward his parents and his brother. And he moves off into the woods and, uh, because he hates, he hates everything. He hates everything and everybody. And he lives in that little cabin. He moves in in 1972 into that cabin, the same cabin where they caught him in 1996. Now, What's fascinating to me is once he starts sending these uh, bombs to seemingly random people, but not so random. You know, they were technologists, they were academics, they were, and quite frankly, I'm sorry, but I feel like I could have solved the case. I think if you and I, if we were all in the FBI, we would have been able to solve this case before the manifesto got in the paper. Who? Anybody remember Silence of the Lambs, right? Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter, Jodie Foster, right? Well, how did Hannibal Lecter figure it out? They're going after the uh, serial killer Wild Bill. And Wild Bill is, uh, you know, butchering people all over the place. And they try to figure out, well, how do we find this guy? And they go to another serial killer who's very, very smart, Hannibal Lecter. And finally, the big clue, the very big clue, the the the, uh, the amazing insight that Hannibal Lecter has is find the first murder where that was. That's where he lives. Because all the other murders were to throw you guys off, like to take your attention off of what is probably his hometown. So he first, you know, then that that's what Ted Kaczynski did. His very first bomb went off in Chicago. Guess what? He's from Chicago. He grew up in Chicago. Um, I think that would have been a big clue. I don't think they focused on Chicago from what I can tell. They could figure out, obviously, that he was an academic. He was very, very smart. His next target was Michigan, the University of Michigan, where he attended grad school. And then uh, Berkeley, California, where he uh, was a professor for a brief period of time. How they could not figure that out? <laughs> Just, I'm sorry, but I think they should have solved it uh, based on that stuff alone. How many really smart, uber smart guys who were weirdos in the 1960s went to these three schools? I think Kaczynski would have been on a list of about 50 or 60 people. and uh, But they couldn't figure it out. Just like the FBI. Sorry. The FBI is not this uber police force. You know, J. Edgar Hoover wanted everybody to think that, and to this day, that legend, that mythology persists. They're not nearly as good or effective or as omnipresent as uh, J. Edgar Hoover wanted everybody to believe, and the media did believe it, and they wrote it, and it's kind of etched into our hard drives that the FBI can do things that it really can't do. So uh, the FBI should have solved the case. The other thing, the CIA has a hand in this. The CIA, you know, I never think about the Central Intelligence Agency. I, number one, because they're not really that effective. Um, you know, there are more Arabic speakers in the intelligence unit of the New York City Police Department than there are in the entire Central Intelligence Agency. At least that was the case a couple of years ago. I wonder if it's still the case. So the CIA, um, because, well, we have a great big government, gigantic, out-of-control government, and I don't think in the Constitution you can look up uh, the Central Intelligence Agency conducting interrogation experiments on children. But that's what they did. That's when what happens when you have an out-of-control deep state. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Eisenhower warned us about the 
Military-industrial complex. Am I going too much on this uh, Ted Kaczynski thing? I think it's totally fascinating. Anyway, the CIA ran interrogation um, experiments at Harvard University when Ted Kaczynski was there. Ted Kaczynski shows up. He's already fragile. He's already very weird. And then they make him even weirder with these uh, interrogation tests. And, like, I guess the uh, point of it was to break somebody down. So Ted Kaczynski comes out with his philosophy on life, and the guy just makes fun of it, makes fun of him, and derides him one hour a week, every week while he's at Harvard. I think it was like three hours a week, actually. Every week he's at Harvard. That might leave a mark psychologically. So the CIA uh, may have contributed to this fiasco, the Unabomber, who killed three people. Uh, let's see, what else? There's the, oh, did you know that he wanted to get a sex change operation? Ted Kaczynski actually sought a sex change operation. Ted Kaczynski, early in his life, wanted to be a woman. In the 1960s, when he's up there in Michigan, he wanted to be a woman. He explored it. He wrote it in his diary. I would like to become a woman. I'd like to get a sex change operation. I am meeting with the psychiatrist tomorrow. Well, the psychiatrist asked him all kinds of questions. He's a very guarded guy, didn't want to talk about it. And um, that was that was it for the sex change operation. Why is that relevant? Well, as the transgender community has been totally embraced and everything about trans must be good, uh, we're camouflaging the fact that it's really about mental illness. Mental illness is the root of uh, of transgender. It is the very root of transgender. Gender dysphoria is a malady. You got something wrong with you, okay? Sorry. I mean, we can work on that. We can get treatment. Oh, by the way, a lot of people, you know, just you, maybe you're gay, not transgender. You're just gay. You don't have to get a crazy radical surgery that we can never reverse. Maybe you're just gay. Anyway, um, so there's a lot going on there. Oh, and the other thing is, the F, going back to the FBI for a second, this poor guy. David Kaczynski, who lived in Schenectady. Where is that? That's close to Albany, right? David, in uh, the 1990s, is reading the newspaper along with his wife. And the wife is like, you know what? This, These ramblings, these rants sound a lot like your brother. It's like, no, it doesn't. Really? Yeah, it does. I think your brother wrote this. I think your brother is the Unabomber. So he has this whole kind of uh, crisis. You know, what do I do? Do I say something? Do I not say something? Do I turn in my brother? Do I not turn in my brother? So they had to evaluate, and they're like, yep, this is probably him. And then they went to the FBI, and uh, the FBI had him in their custody just a couple of days later. But the thing that David Kaczynski asked the FBI, the one thing he asked, like, look, I'm giving you this information. It's my brother. Go catch him. He said, I prefer that he not be executed, which I think is a kind of a marvelous thing that the brother said that, didn't want his brother put to death. Although I don't think that was quite part of the deal, but he did not want him put to death, and I can understand that. And the other thing, uh, they said, I don't want my, I don't want my uh, role in this leaked. I don't want anybody to know what I did. And guess what the FBI did? They told everybody. They told everybody. Dan Rather's on the radio, on the, on TV actually saying, he was fingered by his brother. Fingered by his brother. Like point the finger. There he is. It was so crass and lazy and, and it's just not right. So I think he's, it's an amazing story. Oh, and, and David Kaczynski actually makes friends with um, with one of the victims. They're actually friends to this day. Somebody who got his hand blown off by Ted Kaczynski is now friends with David Kaczynski. He's a, so I read most of the book. It's uh, it's a, it's a really moving, it'll make you cry. 
and the impact this had on the parents, you know, it was just devastating. The mom, she's, you know, getting up in years. She's, and she finds this out about her son and she's desperate for some sort of explanation. And it's just, uh, it's really sad. So, uh, but good things can come out of the worst things. And that David Kaczynski, wherever he is, I think he's an Ivy League professor somewhere or a social worker or something like that. He went to Columbia and just is the most decent guy. And he was totally let down by the FBI in many ways. Number one, the FBI should have solved it much earlier. It shouldn't have had to have been, you know, they always have these things about the FBI profilers and, uh, you know, they sit around and they, um, they come up with these psychological profiles and they can pinpoint who it is. That's all myth. That's all mythology. It all had to come down to, uh, somebody in the family saying, yeah, that's probably him. Like most crimes are often solved. Most unsolved crime. Yeah. It's a family member saying, yeah, uh, it's probably, probably our crazy cousin. He did it, I think. So, uh, what else do we say about the, um, the indictment? Gosh, they're really doing this. Yeah. Trump is going to be arrested tomorrow. It doesn't feel very shocking, does it? And I thought he was fantastic, fantastic at the um, two events over the weekend in North Carolina and in Georgia. Let's see here. Um, oh, he was also on the Roger, St- Roger Stone has a weekend show on WABC. Congratulations to Roger uh, Stone. And uh, let's see. Here he is on the show. Cut one, please. Cut one. No, none whatsoever. No, I see no uh, I see no case in which I would do that. I would I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I had opportunities in 2016 to do it, and I didn't do it. And uh, some pretty big opportunities, yes, you know. You know, there were people that saying, "Well, you just not, it's not going to happen." And uh, we did it. We ran a great race. But then think of it: in 2020, we got millions more votes. What's he talking about? Oh, dropping out. He's not going to drop out. That's true. You know, every time everybody gives him advice, like you're finished, you're screwed, it's over. All he's got to do is think back to October of 2016. You political geniuses were telling me the same thing back then. I mean, virtually everybody was telling him to drop out. Everybody. The number one Republican in terms of the party, Reince Priebus, said you've got to drop out. You're going to lose no matter what. And he won. And he always does. And he's going to beat this. I'll be back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, who the hell is Francis Suarez? Francis Suarez is going to announce for president next week. Francis Suarez. He's the mayor of Miami. Let's look him up. You can't run for president when you're the mayor of some town. I don't think so. Certainly not Miami, which is probably not even in the top 10 most populous cities in the country. I'm sorry. I just Miami's a fine place, I guess. Don't think about it too much. Um, spring break there, it's to be avoided. I bet he's really good. Yep, sure enough, Francis Suarez. He is incredibly handsome. All right, so you think uh, every room he goes into, everybody thinks he's the cat's meow. Why shouldn't I be president? I am handsome. I am tall and handsome. Look at what Pete Buttigieg did. I am better looking than Pete Buttigieg. Let's see, is he gay? Uh, now, why do I ask that? Well, Pete Buttigieg, uh, being gay was a huge advantage. So if he's gay, that could work out for this guy as well. Um, oh, nope. He's just married to a woman named Gloria. So the fake news will not be nearly as intrigued. Um, and this is what he sounds like. Cut 18. Cut 18. You've referenced several times a big uh, announcement. Any clues you want to give us? 
Well, my announcement is to stay tuned. Uh, next mm-hmm. week, uh, I'm going to be making, like you said, a big speech in the Reagan Library. And I think it's one that America should tune into. It's one where we talk about uh, what's, what the future of our country should be. It should be a future that creates prosperity, not poverty. A future that promotes a freedom and liberty, not cancel culture like we've seen. You know, we've had our forefathers and so many fight and die for our freedom. And we're seeing it eroded every single day. Uh, like we said, a, a, a future that confronts our enemies on all fronts and doesn't project weakness uh, and incompetence like we're doing now. And I think most importantly, a future where we are not scared to compete. We are in incredibly disruptive uh, moment in our history, and uh, we need to step up as a country. All right, no kidding. I think he should be more focused on the future of Miami. He's the mayor of Miami. What the... Yeah, gosh, must be fun, you know, politics, no responsibility, just run around, go to the Reagan library. He was, uh, how long has he been the mayor of Miami? Since 2017. Is that experience to be the most powerful man in the world? 2017 to six years, six years as the mayor of Miami? Is that it? I don't think so. What else do we know about this guy? Is he brilliant? Is he a Rhodes Scholar? Did he, uh, mm, Florida International University? Okay. General admission. Uh, University of Florida. Oh, he's a lawyer. So what? It got 17 of them right here. It doesn't matter. Uh, first mayor to not be born in Cuba since time. Just, who are these people? Oh, he was on the Miami Commission from 2009 to 2017. All right. So anyway, Frank Suarez, I'll call him Frank. He's going to be getting in the race. Hey, Daniel Penny, the subway hero, is speaking out, and good for him. Cut 14. Cut 14. Well, I live in the East Village in Manhattan, so I take the subway multiple times a day. In this instance, I was coming from school. I got out of class around 2.15, and I took the J Street, I was at J Street Metro Tech, took the Uptown F train. Um, at 2nd Avenue, um, a man came on, stumbled on, he was, appeared to be on drugs. Um, the doors closed, and he ripped his jacket off and, violent, and threw it at the people sitting down to my left. I was listening to music at the time, um, and he was yelling, so I took my headphones out to hear what he was yelling. And the three main threats that he repeated over and over was, I'm going to kill you, I'm prepared to go to jail for life, and I'm willing to die. You know, this is a, this was a scary situation. Good for you. I'm glad you were there, Daniel Penny, and I'm sorry you're going through all this. Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Mm, can't tell if this is internet rumor, but I'm seeing it enough where I got to say something about it real quick. There is a unconfirmed reports that Hillary Clinton uh, fell ill, collapsed, and had to be brought to the emergency room. Again, unconfirmed reports. Let's get James flipping on that and uh, see what the hell's going on. Hope she... Uh, is okay, of course. We don't want anything bad to happen to her. Um, let's see what's going on there. Not sure. Uh, could have been in Chappaqua, up in Chappaqua. Um, yeah. Hope she's okay. Yikes. Uh, what else? Hey, who are we going to pick on? <laughs> Come on. Get well, Hillary. Uh, hey, that's pretty cool that Roger Stone is uh, now working at WABC. Uh, good for him. I'll get to that Trump interview in a moment. But first, uh, listen to Joe Biden telling ghost stories about America. You know, there was a pride event at the White House over the weekend. Pride! Gay pride! All bow down in honor and worship of the gay pride flag. Did you see that at the White House? It was like the main flag. 
they had the American flag on one side. They had, um, I think, the U.S. Army flag on the other side. And the gay pride flag in the middle, which you're not supposed to do. It's actually against the law. There are all kinds of guidelines, federal guidelines, in how to treat the uh, the American flag. And you never have it, what they say, subservient to another flag or somehow lesser than in display. If you got them up there at the same time, you the, the American flag must take uh, precedence, must be the dominant flag. Um, all right, so here he is telling ghost stories about America, Joe Biden. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, something is still very wrong in America. Yeah, something's very wrong with you telling ghost stories like that. There isn't a place in America where that can happen or would happen or will happen. You insane. Can you imagine President Xi going around bad-mouthing China or uh, Putin bad-mouthing Russia? Only in America, somehow. Only in America is this somehow politically fashionable. Isn't that amazing? And isn't it sad? It should not be that way. All right, well, back to uh, Roger Stone's new show on WABC, one in the afternoon on Sundays, right? Cut two, please. Cut two. They eased up a lot when I was there. But I told him, I said, Abdul, don't ever, don't ever think about ever doing it again. I went 18 months. Not one soldier was even shot at. Nobody was killed. Not one soldier was shot at. And then not one so think of it, Roger, not one soldier was shot at. That's true. He's talking about that uh, Afghanistan stuff. I know some people say, some people who follow uh, Trump, why does he talk about the same stuff all the time? Well, nobody else is talking about it. Nobody else. You know, that was like a three-day story. Our loss in Afghanistan was like a three-day story. That's it. I mean, America will never be, it may never be the same again. On the international stage, after what happened in Afghanistan, August of 2021, August, September 2021, we were beat in Afghanistan, a 20-year war, and we lost it because of Joe Biden. And it's like, well, that that nobody, <laughs> it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's amazing the stuff that people can't remember. We have it on tape, Joe Biden actually boasting that the classified documents were in his garage behind his Corvette. In his garage behind his Corvette. You never hear that anymore. Actually, I'm going to get it right now. I'm going to get it for right now. All right, but I do want to get to the stuff. Here's Trump talking about what's going on right now with this silly indictment. And he just, I think he's on his way. You know, Trump is staying in uh, New Jersey for the summer. He's in Palm Beach during the winter and uh, New Jersey during the summer. Bedminster, that amazing resort, uh, golf club. I went there once. It really is great. It's interesting. It's pretty close to uh, New Jersey is more bucolic and rural than I think a lot of people, a lot of we New Yorkers uh, understand. Uh, cut four, please. Cut four. If I weren't leading, this would never happen. Or if I wasn't running, even more so, this would never happen. Uh, these fake charges. It's just fake. Uh, the boxes hoax. Biden has eighteen hundred and fifty boxes that he's not giving up. They're at the University of Delaware, I guess. And by the way, the tapes that you read about, those tapes are my tapes. I gave them very willingly the tapes. They didn't ask Biden for tapes. He doesn't probably doesn't have tapes. It's it was a disgrace what they did. And they did it for political reasons. They did it because they're not polling. I don't see how they can poll. The country's going to hell. He's damn right about that. Um, <laughs> poor guy. How does he do it? How does he do it? Hey, that's true. 107 documents. 107 pages is what they found in Trump during that raid. 107. You know how many pages fit in one of those boxes? In one of those boxes. 
I'm going to experiment with it tonight. I think it's about four or five hundred pages can fit in one box. Why do they show us every single box they ever saw at Mar-a-Lago? Why do they do it that way? To scare us, to make me, oh, wow, look at this. This is horrible. It must be horrible. After all, the news is presenting it like it's horrible, so it must be horrible. It's not so horrible. In fact, it's normal. It's downright normal. Uh, let's see here. Cut six. The one page that's of concern, obviously, if it's true, is the tape recording that was made of a conversation ex-President Trump had with a writer who was writing a book about uh, Meadows, and which he said, look, uh, I have these documents, uh, they're secret, I could have declassified them when I was president, but I didn't, and then either shows it to him or just shows him that he has it. And that was uh, the basis for the most important charge under the Espionage Act. The rest of it, I think, uh, can easily be defeated on legal and factual ground. This is the one that should be worrisome to the president. He may have an answer for it. No, I don't think it's worrisome at all, actually. And I'll show you tonight on the Newsmax show. And I love Alan Dershowitz, by the way, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know everything. And he's probably in his career never had to deal with classified documents. I've dealt with classified documents in the military. I've received classified briefings. And uh, I happen to know, and anybody who's actually read a newspaper, but they're counting on you not being able to connect the dots here. Anybody who knows uh, anything about the... Well, how the New York Times does business day after day after day. They're always publishing classified documents. They're always being showed classified documents by the government. And I'll say it right in the story. Uh, the official gave us this access on the condition of anonymity because he was not authorized to share the information. Happens all the time. Uh, sometimes you show people things on background. Sometimes you show people things because you want it out there. The the. Bush administration put all kinds of secret stuff out there in the run-up to the Iraq war. Hell, the trip to Ukraine, Joe Biden, when he went to Ukraine, before he got to Ukraine, that was all secret. What were they doing? They were telling ordinary people about it. Ordinary people, reporters for the Wall Street Journal. This Sandra Siddiqui was her name. She goes over there. She's never been vetted. I don't know who the hell she is. Does she have top secret clearance? Does she have clearance? Does she have classified clearance? No. But they told her classified stuff. As a matter of uh, course, these things happen. All right, this is, and you're allowed to. You're just you're allowed to. And he didn't show it in any. By the way, this wasn't the Chinese. This wasn't an operative. Um. Anyway, it should be interesting. We're going to show you how this is done all the time by Republicans and Democrats alike. And you also have to remember this: that Donald Trump, all that intelligence is made. I think the swamp thinks it's made for their own, like for their own. Uh, giving them something to do, <laughs> just to give them something to do. Well, ultimately, it goes to a decision maker. Who is the decision maker? Trump. Trump was a de- These things were provided to him, to him, so he could make decisions. A lot in this indictment to uh, pick apart. I think it's a great big joke. They have revealed themselves once again. The longer the list gets of allegations against Trump, the more they actually incriminate themselves. And who remembers this? This is the thing I was telling you about with the uh, the Corvette. This is one of the most outrageous things ever uttered by a president, but it's Joe Biden, so it gets brushed away. Go ahead. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, look, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in the lock garage. 
Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. But anyway, <laughs> wait, 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 right? The documents were not sitting out by the street either at Mar-a-Lago. Keep going. Yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, but as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified materials seriously. I also how said do we know that fully? How do we know that the Justice Department's review? As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, of, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas and file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden pension. Right, stop it right there. All they got to do is play this in court. I mean, all they got to do is play this for any reasonable lawyer, judge, somebody, an official, Justice Department official. They don't care. It's like in the Godfather, Godfather part, uh, part one. Salazzo's got to kill Pop. That's key for him. That's key. They got to take Trump out. That's key because Trump beats them in, uh, I think in every poll. You got the public polls, but the ones behind the scenes have got them really concerned. Uh, let's go back to Trump on Roger Stone. Cut five. Usual is you wait till death. You wait till everyone's gone and you do it. No, I'll be doing that very early on. But I did do a lot of it. Some people think it's bad that I did it. You know, it's it's uh, that's why they have menus in restaurants, right? Everybody's different. You choose a different food. You choose a different whatever it is. But uh, but got a lot of credit for doing it. But I'll be doing the rest as soon as I get into office. Uh, okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> sounds sounds very good. Oh gosh, and all these usual people, Fox News. You know, they've got their orders. They want this thing to be. Uh, they want it to be sticky. They wanted to. Why does it come down to like two lawyers, three lawyers in the whole country? Three lawyers in the whole country seem to be the ones they go to on television. You show me a lawyer, I'll show you an opinion. You can <laughs> lawyers can do a lot of things. And oh, by the way, why isn't anybody upset that they violated attorney-client privilege? This is the worst thing you can possibly do under our Constitution. Can you talk to anybody and be guaranteed confidentiality? I think your lawyer, your doctor, right? You're st- they're never supposed to say anything about you to anyone. And this guy is testifying what Trump, it's not like, by the way, what do they say? It's, well, if, 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 if Trump were trying to commit a crime, the lawyer has an obligation. No, that's not a crime. My lawyer comes in. If I come in, I'm subpoenaed. I say, Hey, do I have to respond to this? Yes. Are you sure? Well, ugh. like you're allowed to ask questions like that and they should be confidential. Everything that he was saying was, well within the bounds. Well within the bounds. What a crazy, crazy. You know what we need more? We need more uh Daniel Pennies and less Jordan Neely's. Cut 15, please. Cut 15. We were all scared. Mr. Neely was yelling in these passengers' faces, and they looked terrified. Um, the reason why there was no video at the start of the altercation was because people were too afraid getting away from him. And the, the, didn't, the videos didn't start until they saw that situation was under control. I knew I had to act. And I acted in a way that would protect the other passengers, protect myself, and protect Mr. Neely. I used this hole to restrain him, and I did this by leaving my hand on top of his head to control his body. You can see in the video there's a clear rise and fall of his chest indicating that he was still breathing. And I'm calibrating my grip based on on the force that he's exerting. And um, I just, I, I mean, I was trying to keep him on the ground. As, until the police came. I was praying that the police would come 
and take this situation under, uh, take this situation over. I didn't want to be put in that situation, but I couldn't just sit still and let let him carry out these threats. How about that, huh? Good for him. Hey, you know what? I just found out there's a dummy uh, Twitter account. Somebody pretending they're me again. How do I? You know what? I got to make friends with Elon Musk. I got to make friends with that guy somehow. Let me hear. If you are a prosecutor, by the way, and Daniel Penny tells that story, um, you don't you don't indict. You don't like. I we understand totally, and you can see that in the video. I could see that. Everybody called it a chokehold, which was totally erroneous. He was varying his uh, grip, his resistance, based on uh, what Neely was doing. Uh, cut sixteen. Yeah, Mr. Neely came on. He was he was threatening. He's, he's a, I'm six two, and he was taller than me. So it was. And there's a common misconception that Marines don't get scared. We're actually taught uh, one of our core values is courage, and. Courage is not the absence of fear, but how you handle fear. And, you know, I was scared for myself, but I looked around. I saw women and children. He was yelling in their faces, saying saying these threats. I couldn't just sit still. Good for him. Amazing. That's true. I mean, if you – we had a, a, a saying or a acronym for uh, people who were not afraid, and that's not a good thing. you got to have some fear in your life. you got to be afraid. NAFOD. NAFOD was the acronym. No apparent fear of death. You don't like those guys. You don't want any NAFODs around you, okay? Especially when you're flying or doing something dangerous. You gotta be afraid, okay? You gotta be, it's gotta, you use that. And sometimes, yes, you gotta forge your head anyway, but you have to, you manage your fear, but you need a little bit of fear. It's healthy. We're, we're given it for a reason. Cut 17, one more. Some people say that I was holding on to Mr. Ely for 15 minutes. This is not true. I mean, between stops is only a couple minutes. So the whole interaction lasted less than five minutes. Some people say I was trying to choke him to death, which is also not true. I was trying to restrain him. Uh, You can see in the video there's a clear rise and fall of his chest, indicating that he's breathing. I'm trying to restrain him from him being able to carry out the threats. And then some people say that this was about race, which is absolutely ridiculous. I didn't see a black man threatening passengers. I saw a man threatening passengers, a lot of whom were people of color. A man who helped restrain Mr. Neely was was a person of color. And a few days after the incident, I, I read in the papers that uh, a woman of color came out and called me a hero. What, I don't believe that I'm, I'm a hero, but uh, she was one of those people that I was trying to protect. Well, it's good to hear from um, Daniel Penny. And uh, very well spoken, makes total sense. And you would think that after the authorities heard that story, they would say, we understand completely. But our political, hyped-up, exploitive, warped, demented system, this guy gets thrown in jail, this man, um, it is insane, but we will prevail. And so will you, Daniel Penny. Be right back. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Not long ago, New York was a very cool place, actually. Very cool. We all kind of got along here. Now there's a tension in the air. You can feel it. You can see it. Be careful out there. There's a lot of pent-up frustration and hostility, and it's getting very weird. I had a very weird experience in the park yesterday. Nothing happened, but I... I got, talking about fear, I got a little bit, uh, ooh, I feel very uneasy about things. Very, very uneasy. And I've been to, uh, 
I've been to Baghdad, and uh, I didn't feel as uneasy as I felt yesterday um, just in Central Park there. So be careful. Be careful out there. Um, we did the Daniel Penny thing. Great stuff. Great stuff. Oh, uh, remember Jack Smith, as my friend Mark says, if that is his real name. Um, this is one of the oldest, dirtiest tricks in the book. Jack Smith is the rogue prosecutor, although he's really not rogue because he's doing exactly what his bosses want, which is going after uh, Trump. Um Listen to this. This is Friday afternoon. Uh, Jack Smith, independent counsel, announcing the indictment of Trump. You should be embarrassed. You should be ashamed, Jack Smith. Absolutely. Uh, you've been known to overreach before, but this is, whew, this is, uh, this is the, this is the tops. Cut 19. This is Roger Stone. This has been the Roger Stone show. Wrong. Cut 19 in the A block. No. You'll notice I popped in a now and later, thinking that I wouldn't be on the radio right now. Sorry about that. You can find it now? All right, good. The men and women of the United States intelligence community and our armed forces dedicate their lives to protecting our nation and its people. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical to the safety and security of the United States, and they must enforced this is where they show no respect for us this is where they can lie in plain sight they can uh mislead and and hide behind the troops hide behind the troops that's what they're the men and women in uniform right the men they risk their lives and somehow trump has risked their lives are at risk again i'll show you tonight on newsmax every single day every day classified information is shared with people who don't have classified uh uh, clearances happens all the time, and of course, who else? Do, who else are you proud of? There, Jack Smith. Oh yes, the men and women of your office, right? The best and the brightest. Cut twenty-one. The prosecutors in my office are among the most talented and experienced in the Department of Justice. They have investigated this case, hewing to the highest ethical standards, and they will continue to do so as this case proceeds. No. That's not what I'm hearing from uh, Tim Parlator, great attorney, happens to be a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy. He's been around a long time, and I trust this guy, unlike you, with the purple smock and the beard. Listen to what he said about your uh, ethical prosecutors. Cut 24. The Trump attorneys have raised questions about prosecutorial misconduct in this case. What did you witness? I witnessed a lot of misconduct. What did that look like? So I, uh, it's been reported, I went before the grand jury myself. Um, I was not subpoenaed. I went in voluntarily mm-hmm. um, as, you know, in the place of a custodian of records. And I was really stunned by what I saw in the grand jury room by the conduct of the prosecutors. You know, they made many attempts to uh, to try to get at privileged communications. They would ask me about conversations with my client. Wow. And dangle federal judgeships in front of witnesses. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Every now and then we got to remind ourselves what a low life Joe Biden is. It's important, uh, you know, because they want us talking about what we're talking about right now. The indictment of Trump. Trump is now on 
his airplane on his way to uh, Miami, on his way here, and then he will be arrested tomorrow at 3 p.m., and the uh, docket, and then the, the indictment, and then the circuit court, and the district court, and all that stuff, and the plea, and the lawyers, and all this, you know, right, right? Meanwhile, a corrupt president is um, in the White House, totally and thoroughly com- corrupt. And oh, by the way, he bragged in his entire career that he was corrupt. Not kidding, actually. Here he is. This is all the way back in 1974. Well, that's so long ago. Well, no, he's a sitting United States senator at the time. His next job is going to be vice president of the United States. And he knows. He can feel it in his bones. He's uh, he's young enough. If he sticks it out, he's going to be president someday. And listen to how he says hello to a uh, to a room, all right, a room full of people. He's being interviewed. Cut 26. As the youngest member of the Senate, the one, therefore, who may expect the longest career there, I wonder if you'd say to us, since it's clear that you're not corrupt and you got elected, why should people think that the system produces corrupt results when there you are? Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but it's, I'm thank you for that, though. Wise guy, huh? Still making jokes about that kind of stuff. Where's the money? And then what kind of person are you? What kind of character do you have, Joe Biden, when you're 31 years old as a U.S. senator? Cut 27. The fortunate thing is I didn't have many larger contributors. And the only reason, see, I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute big myself in the, man, the manner in which I talked about it. Prostitute yourself, huh? You were, you were ready to prostitute yourself. That's why you went into politics, to prostitute yourself? And then, because he's very foolish, and um, you can get away with anything, I guess, in the 80s, if you've got a big smile. Uh, he just gets accustomed to lying like crazy, like crazy, literally like an insane person. Here he is as a 45-year-old presidential candidate in 1987 in New Hampshire. Cut 28, go. What law school did you attend, and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. None of that's true. None of it. None of it. And everybody knows that this clip exists, that he, that he is a liar. And somehow in, in the sick world of Washington, D.C., this is uh, considered charming. This is because, oh, that's just Joe being Joe. Well, in 1987, we actually had journalists who cared, who mattered, who didn't, um, you know, care about what people said about them on social media. And this is what they sounded like when they met a fraud like Joe Biden, cut 29. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right, and his memory had failed him. No, his memory. No, his integrity, which he has none. He has no integrity. That's people who have no, people who are psychotic lie like that, actually. 
That's a psychosis. And here's more psychosis. He thinks he can explain his way out of it. He thinks he can get out of this one. And so all that happens. He's running for president, oh, by the way. And there's a big media firestorm, as there should be. And listen to uh, listen to the question from the reporter and, and Joe's uh, half-baked explanation. Cut 30. feel you're able to control, to put in the vernacular of your mouth, that you can think before you talk? Well, I've been in this business for 15 years. Um, and uh, I, uh, um, I let my record of 15 years versus the transgression that you're referring to uh, stand. And you can make, you all can make that judgment. I feel very capable of uh, using my mouth in sync with my mind. Uh, he had to drop out of the damn race the next day. He looked like a maniac. And fast forward all these years, where are we? Still cracking joke. He, did you notice he called it a business? Well, I've been in this business for 15 years. A lot of us thought it was public service. A calling, public service. Did he say that? Was I imagining that? I think he said it was a business. He's a senator from Delaware, right? One more time. Cut 30. feel you're able to control, to put in the vernacular of your mouth, that you can think before you talk? Well, I've been in this business for 15 years. Yep. He did say business. Um, he did say business. The Joe Biden, Hunter Biden business. Amazing, huh? And now fast forward to uh, last week. Still little quips, still little, I uh, think you'd be cutesy, cutesy about this. Cut 31. The primary allegation, Congresswoman Nancy May says there's damning evidence that the FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, I try to find a bunch of malarkey. Now, everybody seized on the, uh, it's a bunch of malarkey. Oh, that's Joe. Wow, what a silly malarkey. Nobody says malarkey anymore. They forgot the where's the money part. Cut 33. Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? Well, we were always told, actually, we've been told every step of the way that they're, uh, this is a money laundering scheme. So he would be kind of proud. Where's the money? Where's the money? Well, number one, it's in your watch. It's in your clothes. It's in your real estate. It's with your sister-in-law, your brother-in-law, your son, your daughter. Your grandchildren? I'm sorry, this is according to the House Oversight Committee. The House Oversight Committee, baby. They got the goods on Joe, but nobody ca- nobody's listening. You know, Jim Jordan actually makes a good point about this, and I got to, because it frustrates me, and I told you last week, what the hell are we going to do with all this? Cut 43, cut 43. This is a sad day for the equal application of the law. We all know that. But I think more importantly, this is about election interference. Step back. Think about this for a second, Sean. We have an email that the Biden administration sent on day three. Day three, the White House. Rob Flaherty sends an email to Twitter saying, take down this tweet ASAP. And the tweet is by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So think about it. The White House is working to censor their primary election opponent. Now they are going to indict their general election opponent all while Joe Biden's family took millions of dollars from foreign nationals, all while Joe Biden's family, Joe Biden has classified documents at four different locations. And then, of course, there's the comparison that you made to how they were treated Secretary Clinton. This is ridiculous what's going on. And the country understands that and sees clearly that they've been out to get President Trump in 2016 when it was the Trump-Russia hoax, the crossfire hurricane investigation, 2018 Bob Mueller, 2020 suppression of the 
Biden the laptop story with the 51 former Intel officials. And now this. It is wrong and the country knows it's wrong. Good for Jim Jordan. But what can we do? What can we do? How do we, you know, everyone's making all kinds of great points on TV, social media, radio, but they keep on doing what they're doing. They keep doing it. And we have, oh, boy, this guy destroys the indictment. This guy, oh, he breaks it wide open to what end? I mean, it's interesting. It's compelling. It's important. It has to happen. But so few people are doing it. And you hope and you pray that the American people just understand. And the poll suggests that they do. But I I just, there's an insecurity. I'm I'm, I'm insecure. Personally, I'm very insecure about this. I'm a little bit insecure. I need some personal security. Uh, hello, Sandra. Oh, Greg, I'll give you some good news. So, um, a win is a win, big or small. So, the day that Donald Trump got indicted, um, Mary Trump, his niece, uh, was sued for providing Trump taxes to the New York Times, who later published over 13, a 13,000-word 13, article claiming Trump potentially engaged in tax schemes. So the tax info under dispute in the lawsuit is protected by the Trump family settlement. So I know, but he's just it's just it's just a it's just a lawsuit. I mean they filed a lawsuit. I don't know if it you know it's it's just a lawsuit. And and, and you know I mean no one's paying any attention to it. It's good. Yeah that the Trumps filed a lawsuit. And they won round one, but there's a long way to go, as you know. So I don't know. I, I just don't. You know, if a tree falls in the woods, right? You know that whole analogy, right? Does anybody? It's good that you and I are talking about it, but I don't know. We got to get out there, write letters, do things, pick it. I don't know. We got to do something. All within the law, of course. You know what I mean, Sandra? I know you know yeah, what I, I mean. Understand, but, <laughs> but I also wanted to say, you know, regarding those boxes, first of all, when you think of a bathroom, you think of water. You think of you think of water. And, and who, who would ever put important stuff in a bathroom? Certainly not Donald Trump. And then when I think of espionage, the names that come to my mind are Mr. Snowden, Julian Assange, Chelsea Manning. I know, and they want to lump. No, that, that's what they want you to do. They want you to lump them in with all those uh, those uh, traitors. Although I got to tell you. I don't feel that way about those guys anymore. I don't actually. I, I, I've said that before about Snowden and even Assange because under Obama, the deep state got a, a hell of a lot deeper and they're doing all kinds of things that they shouldn't be doing. Thank you, Sandra. I'm going to do one more from uh, Andrew. Andrew, I... are you there, Andrew? I understand. Hey, what's up, Greg? Yeah, go ahead. I'm what's here. up? Sorry. Yeah, just real quick, want to say with Dave Kaczynski, it was one of those like New York one things that he used to do, where you were the camera guy. He, I did the story where he was considered a hero because he turned in his own brother. Yes, actually, he, he is. He's definitely a hero. He is definitely a hero. Absolutely, one thousand percent a hero. He's not a hero because he delayed giving the FBI the papers over several months. You don't he, know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. I interviewed No, you don't. Him. You don't know what you're talking about. All right. Now, well, did, now, now, did he read the manifesto? And did he call the he FBI as soon as he as soon as he read the manifesto? No, he wasn't sure. At first, he said it's a one in ten that one in ten thousand chance. And actually, I know who we called before he called the FBI. Hey, dude, if your brother 
is suspected of something, and you don't have smoking gun evidence, you have a letter that sounds familiar, he might have written that, he called the FBI, and he called the FBI before he mailed out anything. I'm sorry if that's not good enough for you, Andrew. I find your nitpicking a little bit annoying, though, to be honest. That man, went to, that man went to hell and back, and his family, what they had to endure, and they asked for one thing. You and I, quite frankly, shouldn't even be talking about Dave Kaczynski because they asked for one thing from the FBI. Don't tell anybody we did this. Consider it an anonymous tip. They got thousands of tips. Don't tell them. And what do they do? They told them. Andrew, I don't care what report you did. You don't know what you're talking about. They called, they actually called a private investigator first. You know, before you send your brother to death, you want to be pretty damn sure that you're not making a mistake. And I'm sorry if he didn't call 911 for you, but he did the right thing and he did it his way. So, um, I'll see you later, okay? I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. He's taking these shots, this antagonism, yep. this taunting to the intelligence you, community. You take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. That. How about that? Chuck Schumer talking to uh, Rachel Maddow in January of 2021, two weeks before President Trump becomes president, telling us that the intelligence community will be taking revenge on Donald Trump. What a what an interesting attitude that is to have toward the uh, duly elected president of the United States. Huh? What do they have in mind? How are they going to undermine him? Why would they undermine him? Why? Because he embarrassed them because he called them out on screwing up uh, 9-11 on screwing up weapons of mass destruction. Hmm? Why would he, why would they do such a thing? Yeah, because uh, th- he embarrassed them. He embarrassed them. They care more about themselves than the country. So many people there. So many. And I know I have to say, oh, uh, the rank and file, they're great. And I have to say, actually, I'm not going to say the rank and file are great. I'm going to say there are a handful who have got to be great in that mix. But I think the rank and file is the deep state. And it's about them. And they have believed the what the enemy of the people tells them, the fake news, day in and day out, that Donald Trump is somehow the enemy, an existential threat. I'm watching all the, here we go again, all the wall-to-wall coverage. Is the plane yet in Miami? No, it's coming to Miami. I guess he's going to go, he's going to stay at Doral, is that it? He's going to stay at Doral, which is a big golf club in Miami. And then tomorrow night, he'll be back. He leaves right after the uh, federal arraignment. Can't believe this. Can't believe it. Imagine if we could spend this time. Making America great again? That would be great. <laughs> Instead, he's got to defend himself constantly, and we got to defend him. But I do think that there's got to be a shift. There has to be something more proactive. We're always reacting. We're always reacting, and I it's getting on my nerves. He will be speaking to the nation. To, it really feels like he's the president. Oh, by the way, where's Joe Biden right now? Nowhere. Counting his money. It's funny. Did he use the phrase big guy all the way back in 1974? I think he did. One more time. Cut 27, please. Cut 27. The fortunate thing is I didn't have many larger contributors. And the only reason, see, I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the, man, in the manner in which I talk about it. He went to the big guys for money. And now he is the big guy. Pretty boy Gavin Newsom is desperate to be president of the United States. I'll give him this. He's got great hair. He's got that big hair. 
And we got that big thousand watt smile. And, uh, what else has he got going for him? He's thin. He's rail thin. Because it's true. The camera does add some weight. And you take that kind of care of yourself. You're not working that hard. You're not. People who take excessive care of themselves are taking care of themselves. To get stuff done, you got to get a little bit ugly. Almost physically so. You got to get red in the face. You got to stay up late. You got to get up early. From time to time, you're going to eat crummy food. When you're really burning the candle at both ends for the people, you don't look like Gavin Newsom. Because he's not burning the candle at both ends for the people. He's working for himself. And so far, he's had a very charm-like career politician. Politics has been very, very good. Who was the guy who used to do that? Who was the guy on Saturday Night Live who did that? Don't tell me. I'll think Garrett Morris. Garrett Morris. Hey, two superstars to keep your eye on. Byron Donalds and Anna Paulina Luna, Republicans in Congress. They've got Joe Biden's number cut 32. There's no doubt in my mind that Joe Biden is guilty of bribery, 100%. The reporting to this point has always been that Joe Biden denies any knowledge of what Hunter and his brother Jim have been doing. According to the document we have both read, that is a lie. Joe Biden absolutely knows and has been engaged in this throughout the entirety of this of this uh, corruption. Wow. Scheme. All right. Sorry. Got to f- turn it down. We'll be right back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. At George Stephanopoulos, uh, more full of himself than ever before. Dude, just say you're a, an opinion person. Say you're a commentator. Pret- stop pretending you do with the news. The, you, you're, you're pretending you're neutral. How is it that Bill Clinton's former uh, chief hatchet guy during the campaign, the war room, talk about weaponizing politics. They're the ones who came up with the phrase war room. George Stephanopoulos, he was uh, Bill Clinton's right-hand man. Also betrayed Bill Clinton, oh, by the way. Just an overall snake. And uh, he's on there uh, mocking and berating attorneys. And I heard him really snap on Lindsey Graham. And Lindsey Graham bit back hard. I hope this is the, I hope we got it in here. Listen to this. This is the Sunday show. The 37, please, 37. And I've heard that. I've heard your attack on President Biden and his justice yeah. I've heard your attack on Hillary Clinton. I've heard your attack on Bill Clinton. What I've not heard from you is the defense of Donald Trump's behavior and why you think that's the uh, kind of behavior you want to see in the president not, of the United I'm States. Not, I'm, not, I'm not justifying his behavior. If it were up to me, nobody would take classified information. But you're endorsing him for president of the United States. You're saying he should be president of the United yeah, States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think what, what's happening here is trying to delegitimize him. That's it. You guys, okay, you got even, they are trying to delegitimize him, but it's not working, and that got even more intense. That's fine. That's fine. All right, Jamal, welcome back. How are you? What's up? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. First of all, you shouldn't get, 
shouldn't get angry at your caller. So you so know what, Jamal? Mission. You know what, Jamal? Please don't tell me what the hell to do right now. Okay, I'm not in the mood. If I feel like getting angry at Andrew, who's a friend who calls from time to time to tell me a uh, a story from five years ago that's wrong, I'm going to cut him off. And I just might do the same to you, Jamal. All right. So please, uh, you have something to say? Go ahead and say it. Yes. Yes. I have only one item. You guys, your side, keep saying that we have evidence on Biden did this, this. Please, link it to the newspaper. I am begging you guys. Okay. Hey, Jamal, 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 have you heard about the laptop? Now, it's possible you haven't seen it in your New York Times. I guess you get your news from New York Times. They will not print the real news. You can actually find the laptop. Look at the Hunter Biden laptop. Are you familiar with a man named Tony Bobolinsky? All right. Go up and look up, look up his interview. It exists. Tony Bobolinsky is a real person, exists, has absolutely documented proof that he was working with Hunter Biden and that whole crew. And he talked with the vice president of the United States, then former vice president of the United States. Can you believe we live in a world where Joe Biden can go in front of the mainstream media and not be asked about this? Jamal, I'm sorry. It's, it's all over the place and your precious Excuse me. Um, left-leaning fake news dominant media will not tell you about it. I'm sorry that you don't know about it. Uh, that you seem to think that there's no evidence. All right, but it, it's 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 there. It's all around us. It is there, right there. And just because it goes unacknowledged doesn't mean it's real, and does not mean that Joe Biden will not ultimately face justice. That man is thoroughly corrupt. In fact, here's a little. Eh, Here's a little t- how who the hell in the world, what kind of demented person, what kind of incredibly flawed personality goes in front of microphones and says everything out of his mouth is untrue about himself. And it's provably false. Cut 28. What law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, could you quickly, I, I think, we I, I, think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. And back then, the media wasn't afraid, Jamal, all right, because everything he just said, every last syllable was a lie. Cut 29. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. Well, there's your guy, and there's some evidence that he is a psycho, Jamal, a total and complete psycho. But I'm sorry that nobody went to the Bronx and brought to you a copy of the laptop and, and brought you through it. You can just stay up there, read your New York Times, and everything's fine with Joe Biden. There's your proof that he is an insane, corrupt person. Anybody who does and the reason why he's president is because he's an insane, corrupt person. Anyway, Jamal, how's the family? 
can I, my family is okay, but I'm going to say to you one word. When is Mexico planning to pay uh, off? Number one, you didn't. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, you said, what about the one word part? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. All right. I'll catch you later, Jamal. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's do, uh, oh, Barbara, of course. Barbara, hi. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Hey, I'm listening to what you were talking about, I think, last week, several times, that it is so difficult for Trump to get good lawyers to defend him. And this takes me back over the weekend. I was reading about our second president, John Adams. When he was only 34 years old, he risked his livelihood. He risked his reputation and everything to defend eight British soldiers who had killed five colonists in the Boston massacre. And he did that mainly because he felt everyone deserved the best defense they could have. And he also felt it was not a shut and dried case. And as it turns out, it was not. And all of these soldiers were acquitted. And the colonists who were outraged by the five people who were killed, the colonists accepted it because they saw and they followed the trial. And they saw it was a fair defense and a fair trial. How about that, huh? Barbara, you're amazing. John Adams, I had no idea that happened. Did you guys know that happened? No, nobody knew that happened. I've heard of the Boston Massacre, but I I uh, haven't thought about it in a long time. And wow, wow, imagine that. John Adams. Uh, so that was back way before he became president, right? Yes, yes. It was in uh, 1770. And yes, and he was a patriot, and he very much was in favor of the cause of American independence. But he knew that if these British soldiers were not given a good defense, it was going to make the relations between Britain and the United States far worse. So he did what he had to do, even though he risked everything. His wife and he discussed it. They knew it could be the end of his career, et cetera. But he did it anyway. Well, that's amazing. What an amazing story. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And that's uh, very important. Um, overall, how you feeling about uh, this Trump indictment? I last week I was like, ah, eh, come on, bring it on. More of the same, more of the same nonsense. Now I'm a little bit. Uh, I mean, I still feel the same way. But what, what do you think? I think it is heinous. I think it is absolutely unconstitutional, and it is a clear message to Americans that there is a two-tier justice system. It could not be any more clear. Other things that happened before were bad. This is the worst by far. And I don't think that people will take this. I, I see already, and I'm sure you do too, people talking about it who never talked about politics before and people wanting this to be undone because they know it is not fair, it is not the law. And Americans are all about fairness, just as John Adams was. He wanted to be fair to these men who were accused of this heinous crime, and he was fair. We want fairness for everyone, especially for the President of the United States. Yeah, he deserves it. And if he can't get it, gosh, what does that, what does that bode for the rest of us? Great stuff. You're totally right. Miss you, Barbara. Many thanks. Be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I think most uh, most people have tuned out the gay pride. It just doesn't seem as intense as it was last year. Although 
Uh, I am seeing a lot of pictures of Rockefeller Center. Everyone is erroneously or mislabeling this, saying it's uh, the United Nations. It's not the United Nations. It's um, it's Rockefeller Center, although I guess they are the flags of the United Nations. Is that it? Anyway, usually they have the flags of the world, and now it's uh, the flags of uh, LGBTQ plus IA. Uh, I'm not going to do anything about it. Uh, trust me, I'm not going to do it, but I saw the damn flag on a church, and I wanted to rip it down. I did. I mean, just this is nothing. This has nothing to do with anything. Stop it. Uh, I didn't rip it down. You're not supposed to do that. I won't do that. But so it's just momentary kind of impulse. Rip it down because it's getting in the way. It is. And oh, by the way, it's starting to feel exclusionary. I'm starting to feel like I'm not that important, that I'm not even welcome. Right. Don't you? Do you happen to be? I know I got some listeners who happen to be white and male and of a certain age. Right. And maybe you're straight, maybe you're gay, maybe you are uh, Christian, maybe you're not. But somehow it seems like there's a great big party going on and you're not invited. <laughs> there's a, and it's not just June, it's just overall. And judgments are being made, snap judgments are being made based on what you look like. And that is thoroughly un-American. Now, one thing, though, one thing is interesting, and this brings me back to that uh, mayor from Miami, What's his name again? Frank Suarez, Francis Suarez. He thinks he can be, <laughs> he thinks he can be mayor. Uh, I'm sorry, president. He's already mayor. He wants to be president. Why? Because he's good looking. I think that's a real big chunk of it. And good looking people, oh, by the way, have like an inflated sense of, uh, confidence that they probably shouldn't have. It's bad for them. Listen to this. The moral hazards of being beautiful <laughs> by the Wall Street Journal. Beauty has its privileges. Studies reliably show that the most physically attractive among us tend to get more attention from parents, better grades in school, more money at work, and more satisfaction from life. A study published in January in the Journal of Economics and Business found that good-looking banking CEOs take in over $1 million, more in total compensation on average than their lesser-looking peers. Good looks pay off, the authors write. New research from Shanghai Advanced Institute of Finance similarly finds that uh, good-looking managers of mutual funds lure more investments and enjoy more promotions. Now, this is the good part. While we like to say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, studies consistently show that most people prefer smooth skin, thick, shiny hair, and symmetrical bodies, as well as height. Wait, wait a second. We are suckers, basically, for signs of youth, good health, and reproductive fitness. Scientists attribute the human tendency to give attractive people better treatment to something called the halo effect. You've heard of the halo effect. Now, given all the benefits afforded to the beautiful, it's surprising that there has been so little research on how good-looking people actually behave. Are good-looking people actually more likely to be good, or do they exploit their advantages for personal gain? They talked to uh, Dr. Wang, a social psychologist at the City University of Hong Kong, Address these questions in a set of five experiments involving more than 1,300 participants in the U.S. and China, published in the Journal of Evolution and Human Behavior. After giving people money and raffle tickets and asking them to share, Wang and colleagues found that those who rated their own looks highly were more likely to keep the items for themselves. Participants who were primed to feel more attractive were also more likely to agree with the statements, I demand the best because I'm worth it, and I feel entitled to more of everything. 
Due to their great bargaining power, attractive individuals may have learned that they deserve better, Wang writes. Yet this sense of entitlement was apparent only when participants knew their actions and responses were anonymous. When their choices could be seen and noted by others, even the most good-looking curbed their selfishness. In other words, due to image or reputation concerns, attractive people may not want to demonstrate self-interested behavior in public. Her findings reinforce other studies that show that physically attractive people often cultivate self-serving beliefs. 2014 paper in uh, the Journal of Organizational Development found that those who saw themselves as good-looking since they had more power and higher status than their plainer peers They were also more likely to attribute growing economic inequality in the U.S. to the hard work and talent of those at the top. Now, we got to get to the part where the people who think they're good looking, it gives them this hubris. And they think they're better than they are because they actually haven't developed the skills necessarily. They don't actually have the skill. They have the confidence. But do they have the skill? Listen to this. It would be wrong to say that beautiful people reliably defy presumptions of goodness. In three large surveys of Americans published in 2020, it gets really way in the weeds here. Maybe a little bit too scientific. Anyway, good-looking people have it easier than not so good-looking people, right? We kind of knew that. But if you're not so good-looking, you tend to develop other skills that will compensate for that. And, um, you know, good-looking people, everybody, everybody has their challenges, right? Every single person out there has some kind of burden. And uh, that's life. That's the way it goes. And we can handle that, right? Right, Benjamin? Hello. Uh, yeah, hi, Greg. I was just wondering if you would think Bill Barr is a very good-looking person. <laughs> yeah, right. He's a uh, he's a strange cat, that guy, huh? He uh, knew during the summer of 2020, when they started changing all the rules regarding the election, that uh, as a matter of logic, it's open to fraud and coercion. He said it out loud. And then they threatened him with um, impeachment, and he got all nervous. I think he's very much a... Uh, a prisoner of the swamp. He is a prisoner of the swamp. Anyway, what else? <laughs> well, that's funny. He's a prisoner of the swamp. Um, so let me tell you, one time I was in Mississippi just sitting on my... Hey, by the way, Benjamin, according to the uh, data I got here, you're you're calling us all the way from Sydney, Australia, huh? I'm on the northern side of Sydney, so you might even say I'm on the outskirts of Sydney. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, that's uh, the same difference. That's very cool. Anyway, keep going. So I was sitting on my veranda on my porch in um, Mississippi in Biloxi, not far from the water one time, and some guy is in an orange jumpsuit just picking up, like, trash, you know, and, and I started talking to the guy like you and I are talking now, and but he was just standing in my front yard there. And um, so he was on, like, day release from prison. And, um, you know, they don't do that in Australia, but in America, like, they can just let a felon out in an orange jumpsuit to pick up trash in your neighborhood on day release, you know? Uh, I, mean, I don't know if they're supposed to be. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think they're supposed to be felons. I don't think they're supposed to be uh, just walking around on felons. They call them chain gangs, right? And they're... Uh, they they often would have chains. They'd be chained so they couldn't run away. Well, did you did you talk to this guy? Did you find out what he did? That's the first question I would ask. What'd you do? 
What did he do? Uh, I didn't ask him what crime he did. I just asked him, like, you know, we be coming from the prison. Uh, he wasn't wearing ankle chains, and he wasn't with a gang. Um, but the orange jumpsuit was like a giveaway. Tell me and, what the point um, is. I like that. I'm intrigued, but I got to go in a moment. So what's the deal? What's the bottom line? So c- could they just not incarcerate Trump for the document thing and just get him to pick up trash instead? Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what the hell they're telling you down there in Australia, but um, we got a justice system that is totally out of control. It's not a justice system. Hey, by the way, you guys are pretty authoritarian down there, aren't you? Oh, Called all the way from Australia, right? Right? I mean, I saw the COVID restrictions. And by the way, I've been talking to my wife. She's from Melbourne, Australia. She's from Melbourne. Yeah. Anyway. All right. What time is it down there? Her Vegemite. What time is it? Feed her Vegemite. Yeah, I, I've oh, heard. Yeah. It? It's like 4 a.m. in the morning. All right. Well, have fun and uh, uh, keep in touch. Uh, what else should we do? I do have to get the hell out of here in a moment. I got the big show tonight. One other thing about Bill Barr. Uh, he really likes cheeseburgers. He likes cheeseburgers so much. He's a double. He, uh, Trump would complain about this, him and the cheeseburgers. Um, oh, what's her name? You should look up the interview he did with, uh, Lester Holt driving around in the back seat of a car with Lester Holt. He went on a date with Lester Holt, the January 6th stuff. Uh, very strange indeed. Ken, hello. Hi, Greg. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment about uh, the homeless uh, in regards to the subways, uh, because I really, I really think that the homeless know what they're doing when they go into the subways, because they know that people are captive audience. They know if they scream and yell and throw things that they're going to create a lot of fear because everybody's trapped. They have nowhere to go. Yeah. So they don't do, you know, the same thing on the street. As much because they they scream and yell on the street, everybody will just walk away and and ignore them. It's very menacing on the subway. I agree with you, Ken. I'm so sorry. I'm basically out of time, and I do have to check in with Isabel from Manhattan before I go across the street. Hi, Isabel. Very quickly, if you don't mind. Hi, Greg. Uh, when Biden, as a senator, took documents, wasn't he a thief? Uh, well, there's no real explanation for that. We've never been offered one. You can't have top secret, uh, secret classified documents in your personal home when you're a United States senator. When you're a president, it is a world of difference and a difference in the matter of law as well. I'll see you tonight at 10 on Newsmax. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.